like. So we just read in that, uh, couple, those couple of portions of Scripture of the Great Commission that Jesus Christ has given on to his church, and that is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that, that was the aim of the London outreach that we had. It was to go and to preach the gospel to those who were lost. And the first thing just to consider from this wee passage of Scripture is why did Jesus give this commission to the church? Why is it given on to us to preach the gospel unto every creature? And we find the answer to that in Romans chapter 10 and the verse 14. You don't have to turn to it. I can read it to you. It just says, How then shall they call on whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And the verse 13 of that chapter says, So whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And what Paul is teaching in this chapter and those few verses is how can men call upon the Lord to be saved if they haven't heard about the Lord, if they haven't heard about him dying on the cross, if they haven't heard about his resurrection and the power that he has to forgive sin, if they haven't even heard that they are sinners themselves. And so if people can't hear the gospel, they can't be saved. They need to hear the gospel. It is by the preaching of the word that they are saved. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so Christ gives this commandment to go out into all the world to preach the gospel to every creature because that is the way that God saves people. It is through the preaching of the gospel. And that's why we have that importance of trying to take the gospel to every person. And that ought to be the desire of all of our hearts. That ought to be the aim of, as us as Christians, is to go out to our neighbors, our friends, our work colleagues, whoever it is that is around us, and bring the gospel to them because they need a savior. And it's only through the preaching of the gospel that they will come to Christ. And we should do that because we care for the lost, yes. But most importantly, we should do that because that is what Christ has commanded us to do. That is what our God has asked us to do, and therefore, we've got to do it. Okay, and if you could turn with me there just to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, just for... This was a command, a commission that, yes, Jesus was speaking to his disciples at the time that he gave it, but it wasn't just, it wasn't just a job for the disciples to preach the gospel, but this is a job for the entire church. And we see a great example of this in Acts chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. Or sorry, verses 3 and 4, I beg your pardon. It says, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and healing men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, they were scattered abroad, went everywhere preaching the word. And what we have in that chapter, we see Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul. He was persecuting the church, committing men and women to prison because they believed in Christ. And as Paul was doing that, it scattered Christians across the face of the earth. And the Bible tells us there, as they were scattered across, they began to preach the word. They began to preach the gospel wherever they went. And this was largely how the church at that time grew, how Christianity spread across the world, is because ordinary people went about preaching the good news of the gospel. And they were just ordinary people. You know, these weren't people who had been through Bible college. They weren't trained evangelists. They were just ordinary people like me and you. In fact, they had even less than what we have today. They didn't have a completed word of God the way that we have. And they didn't have endless 
commentaries and resources and faithful preachers um, who have been able to expound the word of God so clearly and help us to be able to understand the gospel so that we can give it to others. These people were unlearned people and yet God used them to bring many souls to Christ. Not ought to fill us with such surety, with such confidence that we too can be used to bring people to Christ. Not because of anything that is in of ourselves, but because of that great promise that Christ has given to us that we read there just a few moments ago. Lo, I am with you always. Because Christ is with us. Because we can have the power of God. And through his power, men and women can come to Christ. And so I hope that is a challenge to all of us, including my own heart, to ensure that we take every opportunity that we can um, to present the gospel to those who are lost. And as I said, that was primarily um, the job of the, or the mission of the, this London outreach that I'm going to talk about now. So let's see. Yes, it's up on the screen there. So there's a picture of the outside of the church. So that's the church in London, free, the Free Presbyterian Church of London, South Grove Free Presbyterian Church. Um, and just for those of you, I suppose, who don't know, um, these are outreaches that are organized every year by the Youth Council. And normally they organize two, two main outreaches. So the first one is called the Mainland Outreach. And as the name suggests, that's an outreach over to a church in the mainland. And it's just a group of young people go over to help that church there carry out some, some outreach, some evangelism. And there's also a home outreach. Um, so again, as the name suggests, that's to go with a church that's here at home uh, and be able to help that church out with outreach as well. And I would encourage every young person to go on these outreaches because they're extremely blessed. I've been on two now. Um, I wish, to be honest, I've been in a lot more because I'm getting older and I'm getting very fewer opportunities to go on these, these outreaches. But I would encourage as many young people as possible to go on them because they're great. The, the mainland outreaches are 18 plus but the home outreaches are only 16 plus as far as I'm aware. So, you know, any young people of that age, I would encourage definitely um, to go. But just to tell you a wee bit, I suppose, about the church, first of all. So, as I mentioned, it's located in South Grove. So that's just outside of London, quite near Tottenham. So if there's any Spurs fans here, you know, if you're ever watching a, a Spurs match or whatever, South Grove's just down the road, so there you go. Um, so it's, it's actually funny, they're, they're in London, but the people there do not consider themselves Londoners. Um, the way they see it, they're outside of the city a wee bit, and they are, because when you're in South Grove, it just kind of looks like a town, a bit like Korean, to be honest. But it's sort of like, like, a, like a number of cities outside of London, and it's kind of just one of them. So it is, but it's not sort of the typical massive big buildings and hustle and bustle that you would expect right in the city center of, of London. It's out of the city uh, a bit. So, yeah, that, that's the church. Um, I'll just show you here. Oh, yeah, so these mainland outreaches, they consist of four main things. Well, there's four main aspects to them. So, number one, we went over there to do a Holy Bible Club to work with the kids, okay? Number two, we were doing outreach, so door-to-door work, um, stuff like that. And then we had a mission, typically consists of a gospel mission. We did that for a few days as well. And then lastly and not least is the fellowship. And that's a very important aspect of it too that sometimes can be overlooked. But that's actually, it's, it's, it's very important. I'll talk a wee bit more um, about that later. 
So there's a picture of the Reverend Knowles and his wife. So Reverend Knowles, he is the minister of South Grove Free Presbyterian Church. Some of you may know him, some of you maybe don't. But that's a picture of him and his family there. Um, you have Valentina, his wife, lovely lady. Joshua, he's the eldest boy there in the red tie. And you have young Josiah and wee Jessica. Just a really lovely family. And I say, I don't know if many of you know Reverend Knowles or not, but he's a character. He's a very funny man. But he's, he's also a very godly man. And him and his family, Valentina, and all of them showed really great hospitality and kindness to us while we were over there. They really went above and beyond um, what they had to do, but they were, they were just lovely. Um, okay, so this is the team that went over. So if I count right, I think there's maybe 12 there. Should be, I think, 12 was there. Uh, but I'll just go through the team and explain who you all went. So I brought my wee laser pointer here just to sort of point things out a bit easier. So this first man here, you'll probably recognize him as Reverend Lormer. Um, he was at our harvest service there just a number of weeks ago. It's funny, I say at the prayer meeting, we had a prayer meeting just before we went out um, to London. And uh, I remember him saying to us at the prayer meeting, he just sort of came up and he says, uh, boys, I know it wasn't your first choice, but I'm afraid you're stuck with me or something along those lines, he said. And I remember just saying to him, you know, the Lord makes no mistakes. He turns around and he says to me, you're right, brother. He says, the Lord makes no mistakes. And I can testify to the truth of that tonight. You know, there was a lot of men, I think, maybe turned down going to London first before they came to him. But I tell you what, he was the Lord's man for this mission trip, as that will become clear as we go on. I, I just haven't met a man who has the same passion for souls quite as that man. Just been a real blessing to me. But, uh, well, you know me. Uh, and here's Rachel, Rachel Cahoon. I just can't remember now where Rachel is from, but she's a lovely girl, just, um, just a very bubbly personality, you know, really nice. She's actually engaged to this fellow here at the back, Tim Timothy, he's a lovely fellow as well. You have Bethany Edwards, she's from our Enniskillen Church. Uh, Rochelle Strip, uh, some of you may have heard of the Strip family or know the Strip family who were out in India for a while as missionaries. Uh, that's Calvin's daughter. You have Alice Bowden, she's from Cookstown. Alice has a tremendous talent with children, really great talent with children. Um, and that's something I can say about all of these people there. You know, all of these young people, they're talented, talented young people. And it's so encouraging to meet them, you know, and see their gifts that they have for the Lord. And they're using them for the Lord. Uh, and then you have Richard, who again is a very gifted preacher. Uh, and Richard also was more or less a leader while we were away. He was in charge of organizing a lot of things and well, he put a lot of work in. Uh, this is Alex. He's from Lisburn, or Lisburn congregation. Uh, here's Daniel. He's sort of cut off a bit, but we'll see a picture of him later. Uh, Daniel, again, wonderful fella. Has a, real, has a real knack for evangelism. Real knack for evangelism. And this over here is Michael Smith, who is none other than the grandson of our own Melville Smith. Uh, son of Reverend Nigel Smith in Murford Tinfield Church in Wales. Um, and then beside him is a man called Geraint. I hope I'm pronouncing his name properly. Spent a week with him and it took us a week to learn how to pronounce his name. It's a Welsh name, so it is, but a lovely fellow. He got saved quite late on uh, into his 20s, but he is just, a re again, a real heart for the Lord. Really encouraging to meet him and as a that fellow, as I say, mentioned earlier, that's Timothy. He's from a Portadown church. And then you have Mark Curran, who again is a nephew of Reverend Leslie Curran. So there you go. Uh, I see Mrs. Curran at the back there as well. Um, so again, lovely fella. And I, I've been all, all the right reaches with Mark too. 
Um, so that's a bit of the team. Moving on, so this is the Holy Bible Club then, okay? So the Holy Bible Club consisted from, of five days, which lasted from Monday to the Friday. Uh, and it sort of took the, a similar format as to what all of our Holy Bible Clubs um, really would consist of, apart from the fact they were a wee bit longer than a normal Holy Bible Club. We, they lasted from 10 in the morning to maybe about half 12 in the afternoon, so a bit longer, but there is sort of a reason for that too. Um, London's very different to over here. People there, you know, if we say a meeting starts at 8 o'clock, it starts at 8 o'clock. But in London, if a meeting's starting at 10 o'clock, it could be half 10, 20 to 11 before people are arriving. It's just the way people work because of public transport and things over there. It's just the way it kind of works. So um, you sort of have to stretch the meetings out a wee bit sometimes um, with different choruses and things, just so if people are in that bit later that, you know, they're not missing, there's still stuff for them to do, you know. So it's different, but yeah, it consists of just the normal things of doing some, some courses. I think I have a wee bit, I think this should be a video that plays for us, hopefully. say as well, they, won't, they are sort of limited in the pictures that I could show from the Holy Bible Club, just with pictures of the kids and stuff, because some of the kids were maybe coming from difficult backgrounds. So none of the pictures really have the kids in it. There might be a few glimpses of them, but not many. Um, so I do apologize for that. But uh, that gives you a wee glimpse of the choruses and stuff that we were singing. Uh, yeah, more choruses. And then this is where our memory verse was for the week. So that was John 3.16. And I have to say, they did really well in learning it. They were very quick in learning it. So I actually had to move on to another memory verse, I think. Again, I just can't remember what that was. Um, but it was really encouraging. But that they were, able to, uh, they were able to remember the memory verse so well. And then we had our Bible lesson. So the way it sort of worked is we, we took it in turns doing different jobs. So... Um, you know, one day you could be maybe leading the children's meetings, another day you'd be doing the, the memory verse, or another day you might be doing the Bible lesson, the story. You know, it just, we took it in turns doing different things, which was good because it gave everybody then uh, an opportunity to do, to do different things. Um, but there's a picture from the Bible lesson. That was Richard. He was doing, I think, um, the Bible lessons when I was the first on Monday. I did Adam and Eve. There was no sort of set plan either. We were just, whatever you wanted to speak on, you could speak on. So I did Adam and Eve. Um, I think it was then Alex, he did Noah, the story of Noah. Then Richard did Samuel. And then I think Michael did the story of Moses and the bronze serpent. And then lastly, I think was the Torah of Babel. I can't just remember who brought that. But one thing I will say I was very encouraged about is whenever you were bringing the Bible lesson to the boys and girls, they sat really well and they listened to you. You know, and they were engaging with you. You, know, you. you were asking them questions as you were doing the story. And they were talking back to you. And you could tell throughout the whole time that you were doing the story, they were looking at, they were making eye contact. And you knew that they were engaging with you. And they were just, they were very well-behaved children, I have to say. You know, there was no, no messing about, no distractions or nothing. So a bit, a bit like you here this evening, you should behave very well. So you are. But no, I was, I was very encouraged now by what they took in. Um, 
And then this was something that gave, we sort of did a few games between times as well, maybe between the Bible lesson and the memory verse or between the, the quiz and the Bible lesson or whatever, just again to fill out a wee bit of time. But the kids, the kids, they love the games. That's how I see a wee video. had to keep your, your hands on your head and whenever someone blew a whistle or said go, you know, it was the first person to reach down and grab a bottle of water one. Simple wee games, but the kids, the, the kids loved it. Uh, and then of course we had a quiz and again we did more games with them there at the quiz, so there was, there was plenty of games, so there was. Uh, and it was encouraging too from the quiz because they all knew the answers very well. They didn't need very much help from the leaders to be honest. They, they all knew the answers, so it showed that they were generally listening, um, generally listening to the story. I should say as well that um, in terms of the attendance of the Holy Bible Club, it was very good. There was quite a good number of kids that came out. You remember talking, they got some maybe, I would say about 20 every day. And some of those kids were connected to the church, they came to the church, but there were other children there that were from outside of the church and had started coming um, to that Holy Bible Club that week. So that, that was very encouraging. So after we were done in the church, we took them down to the park and we played some games with them. So it was a great big park, which was a really, really good area. And well, Rounders was a big hit, a massive hit. And to be honest with you, the leaders got a bit more competitive than what the children did. Um, I'll be totally honest, there was one point I ended up rugby tackling Reverend Larmer. Uh, he had it coming though. <laughs> he cheated it first. <laughs> So it is, but it was, it, was, it was good. No, the kids, they loved it. And then after we had finished the rounders, we sat down in the grass and uh, we would have sung a few more choruses and someone would have brought just a very short gospel message. Um, but I have to say too that the Reverend Knowles had a great way with the kids. He had a great way with us as well, but just a, a brilliant way with the children, you know, keeping them engaged and speaking to them. So it was very good. So overall, the children's work was very, very encouraging now. Moving on quickly, so just to move on now to the outreach, I need to move on quickly. Um, so while the Holy Bible Club was going on, if you weren't doing anything that day, if you weren't doing a uh, memory verse or if you weren't doing, uh, you know, the lesson or whatever, then you were out doing outreach, out just outside the church. So the Reverend Knowles didn't let you sit about. You, you were always doing something. Um, so whenever the Holy Bible Club was on, we went out uh, just outside the church and we took this here sort of wee, wee board and we had it set up and it was advertising the Holy Bible Club but also the back of that opened up there and there was different tracks and literature um, that we had and just as people were walking past the church, um, you would maybe hand out invites to the church or if they had children, you would tell them about the Holy Bible Club. Um, to be honest, the outreach was something now that I was very nervous about um, because that is a completely Muslim area that that church is in. Um, and you can get some aggressive responses. We were told that beforehand. Like, um, so I was very nervous, but I have to say that no one that you back here were praying for us was a great encouragement and a great help personally to me. And I do want to thank you all personally for praying I know a lot of you came up and told me that you were praying for me and I knew that you were praying for me. And that was a real encouragement to my heart. It just really helped to know that God's people were praying for you out there and the Lord answered prayer. 
He really did. Um, so as far as the responses went to that there, it's like a typical city response. Everybody is in a rush to get somewhere. And most people wouldn't stop. They would maybe take the gospel track that you were giving out. Some people maybe wouldn't. If it was a devout Muslim woman, um, they wouldn't even look at you. That's just the way they are. Um, but we weren't without our conversations. The Lord did provide some divine encounters, I believe, for us. And there's one lady I got speaking to. She was actually from Dublin. And it was an interesting story. She'd started off a Roman Catholic, converted to being a Muslim. And at that point, she didn't really believe in anything. You know, but she, she listened well to the gospel. I had a great opportunity to bring the gospel to her. And they gave her a wee word of testimony. And she listened really, really well. You know, and I do believe it was a divine encounter of the Lord. And Mark Kearns also had one of these as well, which were really good out in the streets. These are like a million dollar tracks, okay? A million pound tracks, sorry, I should say. And they were great. Most people didn't stop, but whenever you asked them, did you get your million and planted one of those out, they did stop. <laughs> and they had, a, they had a second look. So they did. But it, it was a good conversation starter. It really was. Um, so they were a great, they were a great track. It was Mark Kern brought those brilliant. So we did that. We also did a bit of door-to-door -door work there as well. So again, the responses on the door, a lot of the time you maybe weren't getting answers. Um, nearly everybody had one of those little doorbell cameras over there. You push it and they just speak through their doorbell. They don't answer their doors half the time. It's funny, it's, it's, it is a strange one. But again, we weren't without, uh, we weren't without our divine encounters. Um, young Daniel there had a, had a great encounter with a fella. He didn't even live in the house. He was just working at it. He was a workman. Young fella, like, he would have been probably in his late 20s, early 30s, probably around the same age as myself. And uh, Daniel got chatting to him. And that young fella didn't know anything about the gospel. Didn't know anything about the Lord Jesus Christ. Didn't know that he had died on the cross. Didn't know about his resurrection. Didn't know nothing. And Daniel had a wonderful opportunity to bring the gospel to that young fella. And he sat and he listened. So it was good. So we weren't without our divine encounters there either. The Lord did bless us. And thankfully, there was no, uh, we didn't get any that negative responses. Um, well, we didn't get any hostility, really. Um, maybe from one occasion, I'll get into that. It was all, we were all right, but it was all right. Uh, again, there's just a few more pictures of us out in the doors. So that's a picture of us in the train. The reason I have that up there is because the Reverend Lormer had us witnessing everywhere that we went. Um, like on the trains or on the buses, we were witnessing. And the way he would do it is, is he would start a conversation about the gospel and he would purposely talk really loudly. Now, if you ever hear Reverend Lormer talk, he is loud. He would give Paul Hanna a run for his money. Like, he is a loud man. Like, so he started talking loud so that everybody in the train cars and everybody in the bus could hear him. And it was a way of bringing the gospel to people. And he even had us each given our testimony one time. I think it was on the train. Um, so, we had, so we had a good time witnessing there as well. And we also sang. We sang on the trains and buses. I actually have a wee video of that. Rich and free And singing's a little bit better, but uh, <laughs> that was late at night, to be fair, that one, so it was, but uh, 
We, uh, no, we, t we, we took every opportunity to try and witness to those that are around us, and oh, they definitely heard us. There's actually one wee man, I have a picture of this. Um, that wee man there, just at the back, just sitting there, if you can see him. Um, Reverend Lorimer got talking to him. I forget where he was from, I think it was somewhere in Europe. Um, but he, he wasn't living in England, he was heading back there. And he got talking to him about the gospel. And he went round every single one of us, and he got every one of us to recite our favorite Bible verse to him. And that man recorded every one of us as we were doing it. And he said he was going to take it home to whatever country he was from and show his family and his friends this wee video of all those Bible verses. So there you are, there's the gospel going out even into all the world. We went to London and ended up taking the gospel to another country. So there you go, hey. The Lord works wonderfully. Um, but no, we were blessed. We were blessed in the outreach too. Uh, moving on. Aye, so we also did a bit of singing about London as well. So this was taken just outside of Buckingham Palace. A play here is a video. Uh, and just as we began to start singing, and stuff and young Josiah don't know if you could see in the video he just looked up at me and says everybody's looking at us and he says don't worry about that you know but uh, it was a great opportunity to, to witness and we saw, we saw a few different places that air was just outside of um, uh, St Paul's Cathedral and that's a statue there of John Wesley so, it is, so we just thought that was been a great place to sing um, and also outside the, the Tower of London where we sung the mighty fortress is our God he thought was very appropriate. Um, but again, massive crowds started assembling whenever he sang and took videos of us. But it was a good way of, of getting the gospel out as well. Um, so yes, the gospel mission, moving on now to the gospel mission, very briefly. Um, so it lasted for three nights, the mission. So it was from the Thursday night, Friday night, and then the Sunday night. Um, now there wasn't a great number came to the mission, at least from outside of the church. The church supported the mission very well. Um, but there wasn't a great number now from outside of the church, to be perfectly honest. But again, we weren't without a night, but there was not a divine encounter. And it was the Thursday night. I think I was preaching that night. Um, there was a couple that just came in off the street. I can't remember if it was Daniel or if it was maybe Geraint was talking to them. But it was a mother and son just came in off the street and came in under the sound of the gospel. And I think they were from Portugal. And the mother, she didn't speak any English at all. Uh, and so her son was translating then to her throughout the service what was being said, you know. But again, you know, we had a great encounter that day. And the man came up to us afterwards, very thankful um, for hearing the word. So that, that was very encouraging. And then on the Friday night, um, I think that was young Richard, maybe was preaching that night, um, preached tremendously. There was another fellow came in by the name of Israel, um, believe it or not, uh, who I think a group of ones had got spoken to at our accommodation that morning. 
and they invited him out to the mission. And he ended up coming that night. Now, he, was, he wasn't a saved man, but it was great to see him out under the sound of the gospel. Uh, and then it was the Reverend Larmer, I think, was preaching on the Sunday night. And we had tried to get a fellow in from the local chippy, chippy named Hyphen. And we went down to that chippy. His name was Dixie's. We went down there nearly every day. It was class. You could get a chicken fillet burger and chips for, I think it was five or six pounds. As cheap as anything, so it was. Um, but it was good. It was good food. And uh, Reverend Lormer had witnessed to this fella, Hyphen, uh, in Dixie's in the chip shop. You know, lovely fella. And uh, I just made a great connection with him. I began to, to bring the gospel to him. And he invited him out to the mission uh, several times, well, several times, a few times. Um, but he, he didn't come. But pray for Hyphen, because he was very open to hearing the gospel. I don't know why he didn't come, but there was... Uh, we had a great encounter with him as well. Um, so the way the format of the mission sort of went, uh, again, we took it in turns. Maybe someone led. Um, some of the girls would have come up and testified. There's a picture of uh, Rachel there giving her testimony. Um, and then someone would have done a Bible reading then as well. Just look through these. That's Alice giving her testimony. The Reverend Lorimer preaching. And then there was a night where we were singing um, as well. Uh, and it was, good, it was good to be able to do that because, well, the church over there, they don't always get a lot of, a lot of visitors, you know. Um, well, sometimes I think a lot of churches in the mainland can be like that. And so it's nice whenever they get visitors coming over, you know. I think they really enjoyed, they enjoyed the fellowship and enjoyed the singing and stuff like that as well. Um, lastly, and very briefly, the last thing I want to talk about is the, the fellowship. Because that too is a very important aspect um, of these outreaches away for young people. Um, and these, these are particularly very special. I mean, having youth rallies is great, and youth fellowship is great, but these are particularly special because people can maybe come to youth rallies just for the social aspect of things, or they'll maybe come just because their parents are encouraging them to come. But in these outreaches, these young people are here because they want to serve the Lord. And you all have that mindset. And there's just something so special about that. When young people are gathered, any, any people that are gathered together, um, just with a heart on serving the Lord, the Lord is really in the midst. And there's no cliques amongst us. You know what I mean? There, there's no such thing as just one or two were sticking together, but everybody spread amongst everybody. And you could have come down in the morning and you could, you know, had your breakfast and sat beside anybody and started talking to them. We're all lovely people. And I didn't go throughout that whole week without having a really good, deep conversation, you know, I had a good deep conversation with everybody, you know, um, which was nice. It was really, really nice. So the Reverend Knowles uh, and his dear wife, Valentina, were very good in opening their home to us as well. We spent many an evening in their garden, and that's where that photo was taken there, just out in their garden, um, having a good time, having a bit of fellowship together. Go through these. I don't know how that swing took the abuse that it did, to be honest. Uh, there's five, five of us on it at that point, and to be honest with you, some of us aren't that light there. Uh, but it was always a fight to get that swing because it was the comfiest seat. So it was, but uh, there you go. That's a, that's a picture there too. You might not be able to see it from there, but Alice is holding a frog. Uh, they, they have pet frogs. <laughs> Reverend Knowles has a pet frog. And, so, and believe it or not, the girls were the only ones that touched them. <laughs> None of the boys were willing to pick up the frogs. So there you go, um, and that's us uh, one night, I think we were toasting some marshmallows there, uh, there's a picture of young Richard with one and his gob, but uh, it, was, it was some crack now, I have to say, the fellowship was good too, uh, 
And on the Sunday, so I'll mention this, on the Sunday, um, Reverend Rose, or that church in London, um, it's, it's very much a mixed ethnicity that goes to that church. Uh, I think the vast majority of them come from Africa, believe it or not, but you've also got people from the Philippines and Caribbean and all over. And um, on the Sunday, the day before we were leaving, uh, the congregation had offered to cook for us, and they were all cooking food from their different countries. So they were. So we came and, and ate the food, and it was it was nice, I have to say, a, a lot of rice, um, very spicy, but the food was very good. All apart from this here, this is called cassava cake. It's from the Philippines. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of that or not, but it's not cake as you and me know it. So when you think of cake, we think of nice, light, fluffy sponge and maybe buttercream icing. That's not like that at all. So that's made from something called a cassava root. It's like a vegetable, but it's near like a potato. So that's what it's like. And the, the cake has a consistency kind of like a, it's hard to explain, it's slimy and soft. It's strange, but it, it tasted like cauliflower cheese. <laughs> it was, it's not what you and I would think of cake at all, so it's not. And uh, I was kind of tricked into eating it a bit too. Uh, someone says to me, Johnny, try a bit of that cake here. That's lovely there. And of course, maybe and me take a great big bite of it. Hey, and I was stinking. Hey, it was, but it was good. It was a good laugh. Hey. Um, time's going on, and I want to leave some. I want to leave time for prayer here too. But I'll, I'll just finish with this because um, this is a story and a half here as well. Um, but whenever we were. Uh, we were, due to, we were there from Monday the 21st to Monday the 28th. That's what we were supposed to be away for. Um, but on Monday the 28th of August, there was that flight glitch that happened. And so all the flights got cancelled. And our flight got cancelled last minute. And it was a whole drama. So it was, um, I was looking up on the internet and you just seen the flights were getting more and more full. Richard was trying to kind of like get in touch with Ryanair to see what they could do for us, when we could get the next earliest flight. I was looking at it on my phone to see if we could rebook the flights. Um, but anyway, the earliest it was looking like we were going to get home was Friday morning. So we were meant to leave Monday night, and the earliest was looking Friday morning. So it was a bit, it wasn't good looking because I, I had to be back in work for Wednesday. But uh, Esther and Sam McKee from our Tandragee church, um, very kindly, heard, they heard about our dilemma and they very kindly took the bus, the Tandragee Free Presbyterian bus uh, that they used for their Sunday school and drove it from, or drove it from Tandragee, got the boat across from Larne to Stranraer and drove the whole way down to Birmingham to pick us up. So they did, that was like something like a 16 hour journey for them. So that was just to get to Birmingham and then they had that on the way back as well. So it was very kind of them to do that but it really pulled us out of a hole um, so we did. Otherwise, it could have been Friday morning or even later um, before we were home. But the Reverend Knowles, as soon as he heard that our flights were cancelled, showed great sympathy to us. He said, Amen, <laughs> is what he said. And I, I, I'm not joking. He was, he was saying a prayer. Um, just not long after we had found out our flights were cancelled, he was saying a prayer. And he said this in his prayer, right in front of him, he says, Lord, if it be your will, keep them here three more nights. <laughs> And I didn't know whether to say amen to that prayer or not, because I had to get home. <laughs> so I did. But uh, he wasn't wise, but uh, he, he loved it. We ended up, we had, a, we had a rough it in the church a wee bit on Monday night. Well, the boys did, the girls, they, they went to, to Reverend Knowles 
and they were fit to stay there. But the, the crack was mighty, I have to say. Uh, and the fellowship was wonderful. And you make friends for life, uh, and you do. But, you know, we were tremendously blessed in every, in every way there. Um, and the Lord does bless his people as they go forth to serve him. And I would just encourage, well, I would encourage all young people, if they can, to go on these outreach trips, uh, outreach trips and uh, encourage you too to encourage younger people as well to go on them because you make memories that you never forget uh, and they're just wonderful opportunities. So, again, thank you very much for listening. Um, that's me. I'm just going to hand back uh, to Stephen. And again, I apologize that I have to run on. Thank you.